because on the one hand, you have the individual that thinks he or she does measure up, and this basically edges God out of the equation. Mm -hmm. And then you have the other person that is so self-absorbed hmm. that uh, they, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy. And that sounds like a laudable quality, but in reality, it's just a focus on self. And in either instance, they're not looking at God. Yeah. All right, we'll do that. This is a take two on the podcast. Derek, hello. I'm doing quite well. How are you <laughs> I asked you that just a second ago, but we got interrupted by a phone call. Max is sitting in with us. He's our summer intern. We're so glad to have him here. But I want to start the podcast by making a couple of announcements about some changes we're going to be making. Uh, first of all, we've been going through the book, It Is Well, um, and we're going to do two more lessons on that uh, Wednesday and Friday of this week, and then we're going to close that down. We're going to take a break for a week, so next week there will be no new episodes of the podcast. And then when we come back the week following, episodes will come out on Tuesday and Friday. And uh, we're making those changes because uh, we began the, the, the uh, podcast because of the pandemic, and people weren't out as much, and it was a way to connect with people. Uh, now that we're kind of coming out of that, uh, first of all, noticing that Maybe people, and even people have told us this face-to-face, -face, that it's hard to keep up. Right. Um, and, and the content is a lot. So we thought by reducing it to Tuesday, Friday, and, and we'll try that uh, for the rest of the summer, and, it, and maybe it'll end up just being a once-a-week encouragement. But I think we'll continue doing it because it is a way for us to at least speak to our congregation and go over some material that is helpful. Um, and I just enjoy talking to you. I, I don't know Same if you. Here. I don't. Okay, you don't. You didn't have to say that, but I'm glad that you did. Um, it would have been something if you said. I should. I think we should go to zero times a week, Pastor, because I'm just kind of fed up with you and your chit chat. Um, so we'll try that and see how the rest of the summer goes on Tuesday to Friday. Uh, but again, next week will be a week's break, and then when we return the following week, we'll be discussing the Disciplines of Grace by Jerry Bridges, and you've read several of his books. Yes, awesome and author. The reason we do books is because. It's easier than us preparing another discussion, and pretty much the books we've chosen have been very, of course, biblically based, and uh, we'll just see how that works. And hopefully, uh, we know that you know our audience is is as I look back, the the numbers are okay, but maybe people are still two three weeks behind, and whatever. We just want it to be an encouragement. Does that sound okay to you, Derek? Sounds good. Okay, I don't want your. Uh, I don't want your wisdom to stop being spread to the nations here, <laughs> uh, but we, we, we will make those changes. So what we want to do is finish, um, we're, we're not even going to, we're just going to kind of wrap up the, the book, It Is Well, because I, I feel like the sermons are good, but at the same time, the theme is the same, and it's all on the penal substitution of Christ, and so we want to talk about, let's talk about two major aspects of it in these next two and final uh, podcasts on this particular book, uh, dealing with propitiation today, and then on Friday dealing with justification. And the passage that we're dealing with is Romans 3, uh, like Romans 3, 20 to 28, which I think uh, in the book Dever calls this one of the most profound 
paragraphs in all the scripture. How do you feel about when people say that, Derek? Just just by way of an introduction, um, when people say this is the most important or profound passage in scripture, how, how do you feel about that? I'm sure you have your favorite, but what about when someone says it's the most profound passage in scripture? Do you wrestle with that at all? I do to some extent because of the fact that, uh, that you could say that about just about anything that's being uh, stated in Scripture. But the flip side of that is that uh, I think it's something that's an attention getter and it's something that you really need to focus your attention on when when a guy like uh, Mark Dever makes that statement. Yeah. And because all of Scripture, of course, is inspired and all of it carries equal weight, but there are passages that seem to stand out to us. Um, Let's uh, let's begin with a question, um, and I guess this is where I wish Max was on a mic, but that's okay. Um, why in, in each chapter it seems like they keep bringing up this same uh, thought that the idea of God killing His Son makes God out to be a monster. Um, we had breakfast earlier this morning, and we're talking about. Uh, R.C. Sproul's statement about God's wrath and how people don't like to think about God as being a God of wrath. Derek, what do you think is at the heart of people's rejection of God's anger or God's justice? What What is really at the root of why people... I mean, every chapter has begun with this, well, God is a monster, and that's not necessary. What's at the core of their rejection? Well, I think because we're fallen... Uh, our default position is um, looking at things from a human perspective, uh, and and it affects our sensibilities to think that one person could be punished for another's crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, if we are to appreciate it, we have to look at it from the perspective of God and realize that it's not this cosmic uh, child abuse but that it is the most uh, perfect expression of God's love. I feel like you're uh, kind of bowed down there. Your mic is... Yes, you, you, let me move it up for you. You, you look like you're crouched down there. No, uh, that maybe that... Uh, you adjusted however okay. comfortable. But, um, yeah, I, I when you were saying that, I wanted to ask you, too, what, what are the caricatures that our society has made of God? Okay, one is that God is somehow riding on a cloud or either he's sitting on his throne in a woolly robe with a halo over his head and a large beard. Okay, kind of a grandfatherly yes. figure. What, what would be another one? Wow. Or Max, uh, do you have any you could relate to us? Max, can't, Max does do you? Okay, he's still Another thinking. would be flared nostrils with, with smoke coming out because he's such a wrath, wrathful, vengeful God. Or the flip side of that being that he is just this loving, cuddly God that is our pal. Yeah, the, the pagan, the, the middle one there you mentioned, the, the, the pagans, uh, like the pagan deities with lightning bolts in mm-hmm. his hand, ready to throw them at anybody who's enjoying themselves. Um, I think those are really the two polar opposites, mm-hmm. right? The, the right. front porch rocker, old man beard, mm-hmm. uh, the throne uh, lightning bolt, angry, vengeful God. Yes. And both are 
completely mischaracterizing God. Right. When we look at the scripture, he is characterized as a God of wrath, but he's mm-hmm. characterized as a God of love. So going back to the question, you know, what is at the heart of that? Um, I think you hit it right on that they, they don't want to view God as a God who can carry out justice. And, and we were talking about a breakfast with Max this morning. The reality is people don't have a real grasp of how vile we are. Right. Most people think what about themselves? They think that they're a good person. It reminds me of when we would do our church survey uh, door-to-door, and we'd ask simple questions, and one of those questions was, uh, do you think that you're a good person? And, of course, they would say that they are. And, of course, their view is distorted because they are using the wrong standard to determine their goodness. Right, they're using what standard? They're using the standard, uh, the human standard. They're looking at themselves as being perhaps better than the next guy. Yeah. When in reality, God is that perfect standard. Yeah. yeah when they see on the news some guy who shot up his work or mm-hmm. um, a terrorist or, you know, some criminal that has, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, embezzled millions of dollars mm-hmm. from his business, he can sit on his couch and watch that news and say, that ain't me. Right. And it's easy to find a person to compare ourselves like that. But God is the standard. You just mentioned that. Mm-hmm. The, the first step, as mentioned in this chapter, the first step in understanding salvation, I, I like this line, and I'll say it and maybe you can explain it. Mm-hmm. A, person, a person cannot be saved unless they are, I think the quote was, in despair of their own righteousness. Mm. What, what, what does that mean mm. for you? I would say for me, I would recognize the fact that righteousness and perfect righteousness, because we're looking at God as the standard, is needed for me to have favor with God. And the despair would be that I do not possess that yeah. righteousness. Yeah, like it's it's a right reality of ourselves. It's like looking at yourself and saying, okay, let me examine my righteousness, and then looking at it and despairing. Right. Because it doesn't equate to what is expected. Mm-hmm. Now, very few people reach that point because, as you said, most people, and this was proven with our surveys, most people believe that they are inherently good. Yes. In fact, they think that that's what Christians think. They mm-hmm. think that Christians believe that man is inherently good when mm-hmm. Christians understand what Scripture says, that man is inherently evil. Mm-hmm. Um, he uses the illustration in in the book, and, and I've used this similar illustration that basically that people don't like to be told no. Right. Right. He received mm-hmm. some magazine that said mm-hmm. you don't get no on the front, and it just forces people to want to open mm-hmm. it. And the advertisers understood that, right? And, right. And we walk down the street, and if it says don't spit or don't walk on the grass, our nature immediately wants to do that. When we mm-hmm. tell toddlers know they scream and wail because it's inherent it's part of our dna that we don't like to be told no and so until we recognize our own inherent deficiencies regarding righteousness we can never truly be saved and i don't i don't know why that's difficult for people because then i think there's this other class of people that that can't get over their unrighteousness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think that? Do you think that's true? Do you think there's these two, there's these two seesaw positions where one person can't stop thinking about how 
good they are, and the other person feels like, well, God would never accept me. Mm-hmm. I mean, would you? And, and I would say the apex of both of those positions is pride. Mm-hmm. Because on the one hand, you have the individual that thinks he or she does measure up, and this basically edges God out of the equation. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other person that is so self-absorbed mm-hmm. that uh, they, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy. And that sounds like a laudable quality, but in reality, it's just a focus on self. And in either instance, they're not looking at God. Yeah. Well, what we want to do is talk about this idea of righteousness, and uh, why don't we open to Romans three? This is this is the passage that we're dealing with, and uh, we're going to have to we're going to put this into two episodes because we're we're twelve minutes in here already, um, and we want to finish this on Friday. Uh, in Romans three twenty one to twenty five, Derek, I'm going to put you in my ninth to tenth grade Bible class right now. Okay, school has ended for the summer, but I'm going to pretend you're in my class now. <laughs> we uh, are for the last semester, the students memorized chapter 3, verses 19 to 28, and they had to, that was every Friday they did a verse quiz. And so let me ask you a couple of questions that were, that were uh, foundational in my Bible class and see if you, uh, what was the old thing? Are you smarter than a fifth grader? So I'll say, are you, are you, are you smarter than a ninth grader, Derek? No, and I'm sure you are. What are the two types of righteousness that are mentioned in the Bible? There are two types of righteousness. Okay, there's the righteousness of God and there's self-righteousness. Okay, perfect. Uh, how is the righteousness of God obtained? How do, how do we get that? Okay, the righteousness of God obviously is not uh, intrinsic to our nature. It has to be imputed to us by God, and it's actually Christ's righteousness. Okay, and how do we get that? Okay, through uh, believing yeah. in, in Christ by uh, accepting him by faith. Amen. So that is how God's righteousness is obtained. How is self-righteousness or human righteousness obtained? It, it is, uh, first of all, it is within us already. We think, okay. as we've already uh, determined by going door to door, we think that we're good enough. Yeah. Uh, and not only good enough, but it, when we use the other guy as a standard, yeah. we're very good. Okay, so this is a trick question. Can human beings, can men and women, attain human righteousness? Can they attain human righteousness? If we're saying that di- there, there's two different types of righteousness, okay. there's God's and there's man's. And self-righteousness. So can we obtain man's righteousness? Can we... Can we be righteous? Can we can we obtain a human righteousness? And it's kind of a trick question. Uh, I would say no, okay. only because there is no righteousness in the human being. Okay. The I don't know if that's what you're asking. No, and and okay. again, it's kind of a trick question. I, I God's righteousness is obtained through faith, hundred percent. That's the mm-hmm. only way we can. And, and as you said, it's the righteousness of Christ that is imputed to us, hundred percent. Paul talks about in Philippians 3 having another kind of righteousness, okay. mm-hmm. and that righteousness he obtained through the law or through okay. works. Mm-hmm. So through I would say, effort. yeah, I would say we, mm-hmm. and that's why it's a trick question, because mm-hmm. when we think of the word righteous, our minds are immediately attuned to think, well, no one is righteous, mm-hmm. but that's okay. God's righteousness. So it's possible that we could look at people and say, from a human perspective, they have obtained self-righteousness, right. okay, just like Paul did. Mm-hmm. What was the things he listed in Philippians chapter 3? Well, I'm, a, I'm a, from the right tribe. 
I've been blameless and zealous mm-hmm. for the law. I'm a Pharisee. Yeah, I, I, he's got this list. He mm-hmm. has obtained righteousness mm-hmm. through works. And there are people in our society that are achieving that, yes. right? They're mm-hmm. trying to be good people, mm-hmm. right? They're trying to be kind, and they think that by accumulating that righteousness, and they are accumulating a righteousness, mm-hmm. they think by accumulating that righteousness that they're going to be accepted before God. But right. the ultimate disappointment for them mm-hmm. is going to be that God will reject that. Right. Which is why I love what Philippians 3 says. Paul, I'm just paraphrasing. Paul says something like, I count all that righteousness as rubbish or dung, mm-hmm. and I want to be found having a righteousness that is not my own, but a righteousness that is right. by faith. Here's how I tried to explain it to the class, and maybe this makes sense to you, maybe not, is that we have a choice. We can either obtain our own righteousness, mm-hmm. right, by going around trying to be a good person, right. but we'll never be able to obtain the righteousness that is accepted by God, which is Christ, or we can reject our own despair. That's why I like that phrase, despair of that righteousness. Like, mm-hmm. And that's what Paul got to the point. Everything I've achieved, I now reject so that I might have the righteousness of Christ, which comes simply by belief and faith. Right. Isn't, that, that, right. isn't that a great way to put it? Most people can't leave that other category right. of self-righteousness because mm-hmm. they think that's the way to obtain it. Mm-hmm. They must despair of that. They must say, all my VBS awards, mm-hmm. all my tithing, all that Baptist baptism I went through, all of my church attendance, all of my good deeds and efforts, I I reject all that mm-hmm. that I might be found in Christ's righteousness. And to me, that's quite liberating because that lifts the onus off of us, uh, and it makes me think of uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight through thirty, where Christ tells us that we are to give our burden over to Him. You know, come on to him, come on to me, all yeah. you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Because in that human, uh, chasing after that human righteousness, you're, you're just uh, putting more bricks on your back. Yeah. Trying to carry it on your own, and you can't. Yeah, and in this life, discouraged, and in the next life, mm, lost. Lost. Um, so in Romans 3, uh, the way I like to equate it, Philippians chapter 3 is the passage I was talking about with Paul, where he talks about human righteousness and the need to reject that. But in Romans 3... He talks about the righteousness of Christ. And the difference is it's it's either depending on God for righteousness or trying to earn our own. Mm-hmm. And as you just mentioned, you kind of stole what I was going to say. Um, when we not only when we depend on Christ alone, not only does it give us it's liberating because we don't longer have to try to strive for it. Because if we're, and another reason is if we're if we're continuing to work for it, when do we know we've made it? Right. Exactly. And where is the confidence on a day you fail, mm-hmm. or on a week mm-hmm. you fail, mm-hmm. or you're really in a down, you know, moment, mm-hmm. and you're you're not doing your best anymore? Have you lost it? You wow. know, there is no confidence. It's all shaky mm-hmm. sand, so to speak. Right. Yeah. It, it makes me think of one uh, preacher who. Uh, made the statement, I wouldn't trust the best five minutes of my life to get me into heaven. Because what is the best? Right. You know, how do you determine that? How do you, was I better, was I living better at age 20 or at age 50? Yeah. You know. Okay, so let's, we're going to come to Romans 3, but we'll have to do it next time. But we talked, we started beginning about God's anger and 
I'd like you to define one of the words in this passage is that God has sent his son to be a propitiation for our sin. What does that word mean? Uh, just uh, simply put, we recognize the fact that God is angry with the sinner, and Christ as our propitiation satisfies that anger because the Lord's anger was exhausted in Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm. So what do we say to people that are complaining that God is just an angry God who's looking for a pound of flesh and gets mm. it in Christ and then can forgive us? What? Mm. Uh, I think that you'd have to convince them of the fact that <laughs> it is in their own best interest to recognize that God has extinguished that anger on his son, otherwise it would go to you. Another thing that we have talked about that's worth mentioning here, too, is that Christ was a willing participant in yes. all this. Right. You know, it wasn't like, mm-hmm. you know, he's like being dragged away, hey, wait a minute, you know. No, no. Uh, he, he, was, he was completely in tune with the plan and willing to offer himself as the sacrifice, right? Yes. I mean... <clears throat> We're thankful that God has, I like the way you put it, exhausted his anger on Christ so that we might be forgiven. Otherwise, that wrath is coming head on towards us. Yes, it is. So he serves as the propitiation for our sins. He is the the satisfaction of God's righteous wrath. And without that, we're lost forever. If If you're depending on your own human works, we encourage you to abandon those. And Christian, if you are struggling with whether or not God accepts and forgives you, we need to look no further than the cross and what he's done. When we come back on Friday, we're going to look at this passage in Romans 3 and examine some truths about righteousness and justification and kind of wrap up this study. Um, Are there any things that you wanted to say here that you got a lot of notes there? Did we not get to anything Uh, you wanted to say? I didn't touch any of them, and I'm glad. Okay, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to ask you another question as we start on Friday, but we'll look forward to that. Hey, if you join us Friday, we, we trust that you will. Um, We will talk to you then. Until then, have a great rest of your day.